Hey, uh, so we're continuing in our series on the 23rd Psalm, and uh, we're, we're getting to a part in the Bible where, you know, there are several sections of Scripture I just wish weren't there. <laughs> like, I wish I could just rip them out. I wish they didn't apply to me. I wish God meant it for another time or whatever. And, and this is kind of where we are. I mean, we, we've gone through the first verse, the second verse, and the third verse. We've kind of, we're halfway through. And, and so we've gotten to the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. That is so cool. We, when we talked about we have all that we need, that we, don't, we won't be lacking for anything because God is our shepherd. Uh, and he makes me lie down in green uh, in pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. I mean, this is fantastic. He restores my soul. Great news. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. He's, he's shepherding. He's helping us to lie down. He's, he's leading us beside quiet waters. He's restoring our soul. And then for some reason, David has to go and ruin it all with this next verse. And this is the verse we're going to be focused on. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to break that scripture in half and we're going to look at kind of the two sections of it. And then we're going to get to another section of scripture in Hebrews and kind of go over that, which, which really kind of sums everything up. Um, and, um, and then I'm, I, at the end or close to that thing, I'm gonna, I want to give you something that we say in our family all the time. That's our main point for this morning. Uh, that hopefully, I mean, again, you don't need to memorize it or anything, but hopefully like, maybe this is the thing that comes to your mind in a time of, of trouble. Because what this verse is telling us and what we already know, we just want to avoid it at all costs, is that life is going to bring trouble. There's no, there's no way around it. Life is going to bring trouble. And I remember being young and married to Lisa, and we had no troubles whatsoever. And I'd hear the pastor up there saying, well, if you haven't gone through it, you're going to. And I w- I'm not superstitious, but I'd be like knocking on whatever wood. I could, no, I'm not going to. No, 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 no trouble. No trouble, bad. Zog, no like trouble, right? It's just like I just wanted to avoid it. And, and then the pastor, you know, six months later, well, we all go through trouble. And everyone around, oh, yeah, we all go through trouble. And I'm like, stop. Are you people crazy? No. And then you live and you live and you live and you realize, oh, <laughs> right. And then you look at a verse like this and you go, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for writing down what you knew that I was going to find out. Because the valley of the shadow of death can come like that. Difficult times, problems, it can come like that. You can go from being in a waiting room playing Angry Birds on your phone or your iPad to all of a sudden they come out with the news and you shut your phone off and wonder how you're going to move on from there. You, you can be talking about with your wife t- what t- kind of t- tile you're going to put in the kitchen and what you're going to do to the very next day wondering if you can, you're going to have to get rid of the house. You, you can be talking to people you've known for 50, 60 years one day, and the next day they don't recognize you. And, and you realize what that means. And, ah, oh man, now we're going to have to. You, you can have business going great. 
and new contracts and expansion and wondering how we're going to staff all this growth to a month later losing two big clients. And now you're wondering how you're going to make rent. I, I mean, the valley of the shadow of death just happens sometimes. I mean, it would be nice if we always knew, you know, okay, you know, let's live it up now because on November 17th, uh, we're going to get the news that so-and-so passed away. Okay, well, well, let's get everything in order. It doesn't happen that way. The valley of the shadow of death can happen like that. Trials, tribulations can happen like that. It says in James chapter 1, when you encounter various trials. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. The Bible doesn't shy away from trouble at all. And David didn't shy away from it either. When I um, first met Kai, uh, our youth pastor, the one who plays drums here uh, on Sunday mornings, it was in 1998. I I didn't realize this till (coughs) after I'd gotten here. I didn't know Living Spring existed. To be honest, I didn't know Garden Grove existed. I, 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 li- I lived in Lakewood, and I, we went to a church there. And at that time, it was the best church in the world. Now this one is, and they're just crying and lamenting the fact that we're better than them. Uh, no, dear, dear friends of ours. But we, w- I went to this men's retreat, and all the churches in our, we're a free Methodist church, and all those... Uh, uh, not free meth, free Methodist. And uh, they all went to this men's retreat. And so I got to this men's retreat. And during the worship time, Mike Overland was leading worship with his worship team from here. And Kai was playing guitar. And no offense, Mike, I don't remember you leading worship. And I don't remember the speaker. And I don't remember anybody who was there. But I remember that guitar player. Because he was smoking it. It was just awesome. Everything he did was like, oh, yes. I didn't even worship <laughs> God. I worshiped Kai. But I didn't worship God, right? And so then, to top it off, so I'm like, I got to go talk to him. But, you know, I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> you really play guitar good, <laughs> right? Because, you know, you like go up to somebody, you don't know what to do. So, so. Either Sunday morning or Saturday night, <coughs> there, something happened to their drummer. He spontaneously combusted or whatever. <laughs> and so Kai starts playing drums. And I'm like, man, Lord, this just is not fair. I mean, like, he can play guitar, he can play drums. And so I went up to him on Sunday, and I, and I said, man, I have just really appreciated your playing this weekend. And he went, thank you. <laughs> right? Because that's... That's how Kai, you know, that's, that's Kai, right? And, and, and I'm thinking, what a jerk, you know? I mean, uh, you could at least, right? But I mean, now that he's, now that he's such a great friend of mine, I, I, I totally get, I mean, I, I know Kai now. I, I didn't then. I know, I know him now. Well, it was at that men's retreat that Kai tried to play foosball, and, and he began to really feel the nerve damage that had been happening in his arms over the years. And so uh, his whole thing, I was talking to him about this earlier, and his whole thing was, man, don't ever play foosball. That really hurts your arms. But it wasn't that. His nerves had began to uh, uh, deteriorate in his elbows. 
And so this guy who had all this stuff and a professional guitar player on his way had spent hours practicing guitar now cannot play guitar. Now, Kai, our youth pastor, is in the valley of the shadow of death. The only way he can play drums is because he plays with his hands, not his arms. But he can't open a jar of peanut butter. He can't pick up his laptop and just kind of hang with it and swing it out his side. If you say hi to him or you introduce yourself to him and you shake his hand, he has to just kind of let you squeeze it because that, that motion, that squeezing motion just kills his elbow. We'll be in staff meeting and he'll just wince in pain for no reason at all. Kai is walking through the valley of the shadow of death with his arms. All that talent, all that practice. Why? Why? And when I look at this scripture verse, I, I, I think, man, what, why the valley? And some, some of you are sitting here, you're looking at me and you're thinking about what's going on at home. You're thinking about what's going on at, at work and all this, and what, what's going on in your finances. And you're going, Why? And so what I want to do is I just want to split this verse in half and then um, and, and talk about this a little bit. It starts off, Psalm 30, 23, 4, even though, I'll tell you, those are beautiful words to have written because it means that God knows you're going to go through things. And, he, and he, he whispers this to David as David is writing this through this creative process that God's inspired David to write. And he goes, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I know it's coming, even though these things happen, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. And so when we, I mean, aren't you glad that our doctrine, that our theology, that the Bible, that it doesn't rest on this idea that when good things happen, that's God. And when bad things happen, that's the devil. Or where's God in all, in all the pain? God's only supposed to be love and good. I am so glad the Bible doesn't teach that. Because there are times in my life and there are times in all of our lives where I would sit there and go, God must be absent. And you know what? This verse says the exact opposite. It says, even though you go through trials, we, you know you're going to go through them. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Sheep are, by their nature, destructive animals. It doesn't mean they, like, break into people's homes um, and ransack the place. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and so what will happen with sheep is they're, they're, they're incredibly routine. And so if you take your sheep and you just kind of let them out into the field, they will go into the field until they, keep, they eat all that grass and then it'll get down to nubs and then they'll keep eating and they'll, 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 they'll kill the grass. And then they'll dig out at the roots and pull the roots up and they will destroy the land. Here's the thing. Shepherds are not, they don't just tend sheep. They tend the land as well. And so a good shepherd will take, put his sheep out to pasture and, wa- and, and monitor the ground. Because what happens is after they eat the grass and they're, they're pooping and peeing all over that, they're eating that too and they start to get parasites. I tried to change the words first service to like defecate or eliminate. You know what? It's just my son would 
die laughing. I'm going to tell him I said poop and pee in the, in the thing. And then he'll just go crazy. He'll think it's the funniest thing in the world. But it won't. He? Yeah, he'll laugh out loud, hysterically. All right. But what happens is they just, if they stay there, they will die. They'll kill the ground. They'll poop everywhere. They'll start getting that mixed in with everything, and they'll die. And a good shepherd has the sheep leave the pasture before it's destroyed. So to a sheep, there is no reason why the shepherd should be moving them. There's still grass to eat. Listen, this is what God, God in all his sovereignty says, how, how can I explain to these stupid people who I am to them and what I'm trying to do? I know, I'm like a shepherd. And this is so vital for us to understand. Because when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, what, what happens to these, to the, with these shepherds is they'll just move them from land to land. Now, sometimes they'll, they'll camp out in the middle and they'll just kind of fan them out. A few days here, then a few days here, then a few days here. So that by the time they get back around, that, that grass is grown. But in other places of the world, you're just going from patch to patch. And if you know if you kill that patch, you're in a lot of trouble because that's how you feed the sheep. And so, and sometimes what the weather changes, and so it's starting to snow up on the top, and they have to go through this valley down into the, and there are all these different reasons. But to the sheep, they're going, why are you moving us? And this is exactly what happens to you and I, or at least to me. I don't understand. When I look at the valley, when I look at what I'm going through, and I look back up to where I was, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this to me? And God... And his sovereignty says, look, don't fear. I am with you. I know about it. I know stuff you don't know. We've got to get to this other plot of land. And through the valley, it's very, very difficult. I, I wrote on here in my notes, it's the valleys that make the mountains so high, you know? Like, we all want this mountaintop experience. We all want these places where it's just like, oh, that's awesome. But the only place, you, the only time you can get from one to the other, once you reach the mountaintop, you can't, no Christian life is sustained there. There are these, there are these valleys we must go to to get to the next mountaintop. And David is writing, even though I know it's going to happen. The, um, we have this saying in our home at it's not the one that you're going to write down for your main point, but it, it says somebody's going to discipline your kids. Like, like in, in our house, uh, if we don't discipline our kids, somebody's going to discipline them. Either the state of California, okay, or a boss later on or whatever. And, and, and God, it's the same way with us. Someone is going to discipline us. We're going to go through these. And even though I will not fear. Now watch, then the whole, this whole poem, this whole writing that David does switches focus. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Right there, for you are with me. See, David's been saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me through paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then David goes, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. 
See how he changed? It's no longer, it's no longer this thing. Let me tell you about my God. Uh, the, something about the valley of the shadow of death brings us closer to our Heavenly Father. I, I, I'll tell you, in my life, and this may not be true for you, but in my life, if I want to look back at the times I was closest to God is when I was in need. As a matter of fact, when God, when I think of the mistakes I made and the times I was far away from God, it was during those pasture experiences, not pastor experiences, those pasture experiences, the time when everything's great. Oh, I'm blessed. I look up. The sun is shining. There's grass here. I'm, oh, this is fantastic. This is fantastic. And then all of a sudden, God says, okay, let's go. Why, God, whoa, you know, whatever I did in there that were you making me go through here, I repent, I'm sorry. God's like, we're just going to another pasture. What's going on? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know, no. And so we begin to push back and we begin to go, we begin to mitigate the valley and we begin to push away from our God. But it's at those times that are the most intimate. I wrote in big, bold letters in my notes here, don't waste this opportunity to grow in Christ. These, these valleys are designed to bring us closer to our Heavenly Father. And yes, sometimes He's the one doing it. Sometimes we're rebuking Satan all day long and God's like, dude, will you mellow? It was me. I'm the one doing it. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to train you. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to get, if you just stay there, you're going to die. You're just going to eat yourself to death. You need to move on from there. And God is is bringing us there. And, And what happens oftentimes in my own life, I waste the opportunity to grow close to my heavenly father. Because I want to buy my way out of it. I want to complain my way out of it. My, you know, during those valleys, my cell phone minutes go up because I'm like, and then I, it's so unfair because I didn't even, eh, eh, eh. and God's like, will you be quiet and let me lead you? He says, for you are with me. It's personal now with David. So he says, he goes on, he says, for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. This idea of the rod and the staff, um, it, there's all sorts of commentaries written about, you know, the rod is for this, the rod is for that. But I'm just going to explain what they are and then um, I think we'll have a better idea. The, the rod was basically this, this young sapling tree would grow up and they'd pull it out by the roots so that there'd be this ball of roots. And then the shepherd would carve out his own kind of club. There'd be the, the ball at the, at, the, at the bottom, which then would become the top. And then they'd, they'd carve it out. And it was a very, very, very important tool to the shepherd. As a matter of fact, in Africa, they ha- the shepherd boys, uh, they'll have competitions of, you know, of throwing it for distance, throwing it for accuracy, all this kind of stuff. Because, okay, check this out. This rod was an extension of the shepherd's arm. It was a tool that the shepherd used. So a a sheep would wander off and the shepherd would throw it, throw this club in front of the sheep and the sheep would get startled and run back to the herd. And then the shepherd would just walk up, grab it. You know, he'd do this. He'd beat predators with it. As a matter of fact, David was telling Saul, look, I can totally go after Goliath. Got no problem because one day a bear came and I grabbed it by its hair 
and I hit it and killed it. And I always thought that he just like clocked it. Like he like grabbed it and it was just like, bam. And the bear is just, you know, X's. It was like down on the ground, right? And, and but no, he most likely used this club, this rod. And the staff, the staff was used to count sheep and all this kind of stuff. He, here's the thing. The rod and the staff just identify who the shepherd is. They're just resources of the shepherd. You can read all you want into it that the rods for discipline. That's fine. That's totally fine. Because all you're doing is you're just going, yeah, sometimes God uses this and sometimes God uses this. But it's just how we identify the shepherd. And here's what David's saying. He's saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I just look, I just look up. I see that rod and that staff and I know it's going to be okay. It's essentially what he's saying. They comfort me. It's not the rod and the staff that comfort me. It's the sight of them just knowing, oh, we're using God's resources here. It's going to be okay. You know what, you know what a, a, a God's resources would look like? You're going through the valley of the shadow of death. So you're going through some trial. You're going through some ailment. You're going through some really difficult thing. And all of a sudden, you're praying one day and there's a peace that surpasses all comprehension. None of, you, none of you, the valley didn't change. No circumstances changed. You just went, oh man, that's, that's thy rod and thy staff comforting you. You go, you know what? God's got this. He has got me. I get it. They comfort him. It's what identifies the shepherd because he loves us. I'm going to read this verse in Jeremiah 1.19. It says, They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. This is the, this is the statement that you can write on your notes that I have blanks for, the statement that Lisa and I often say in our home and to our kids. And it says, For this I have Jesus. For this I have Jesus. For this particular thing I'm going through, I've got Jesus for this. That's what I'm going to go, that's what's going to be my escape. And, and you know, because oftentimes we get these things that are going on and we're like, oh, if only I had done this, this wouldn't have happened. Oh, you know, and we're just mitigating and mitigating. We're trying to get it. We're trying to wish we didn't do this and didn't do that. And all. It's just, look, here we are. We're in this situation. And for this particular situation, I have Jesus I've got the good shepherd. I've got my heavenly father. His, his resources, his rod and his staff, the scriptures and just how he would deal with this. They're right there with me. They comfort me. He's got it. He's in control. He's got you covered. And so we, we just, we'll do this often. We'll just be, you know, you, and so you get this letter in the mail or, you know, whatever, a bill you weren't expecting or some news or a phone call in the middle of the night. And you go, man, for this, I have Jesus. And again, it's not from a scripture. It's, it's well, I'm going to show you some scriptures in a second, but it's just kind of the culmination of the Lord's prayer. I, I, I can go through this valley of the shadow of death because I've got Jesus with me. And it's at those times he's the closest to us. It's at those times we cannot stray because the enemy knows we're going through it and is right there. In these valleys, there is a literal valley of the shadow of death in Israel. Um, but in these valleys, you would take your herd down into the valley and there was all, they, they would, there was all sorts of 
places for their feet to get messed up. There's all sorts of poisonous plants. There's uh, um, uh, snakes and stuff in there. There's other predators that will hide. There's robbers, all that in the valley. And the sheep have to stay close to the shepherd or they're going to perish. It's God's message to us. So clearly laid out. Look, I'm bringing you from this thing. Yes, you thought it was great. You thought the business was great. You thought the school was great. You thought the job was great. Yes, I get that. But now we're going through here. And if you stay close to me and you press into me, I'm going to deliver you into another field. Now, maybe you're only in that field for a little bit. And then we go through the process again. But he does this to strengthen us, to discipline us. We're going to imagine if you had a, a trainer, you decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some weight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working out. And so you go to a personal trainer, 24-hour fitness, right? And his name is Thor because he is just like a, like a Greek god. I mean, he's got muscles on stuff you didn't even know how. I mean, he's got, his veins have muscles on them. Like his veins are muscular. And you go to Thor and you're like, Thor, and he's like, oh, just rub it out if you're Thor. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> just came to me just now. Sorry. You say, Thor, uh, I, want, I want to get in shape. And he goes, okay. You know, and he, get, he goes, I, I got a plan that's perfect for your body type. And you go, oh, great, thanks. So the first day, you're all excited, and you go, and you, he goes, here are your weights. And they're, they're, they're uh, eight-ounce weights. And he's like, I would like you to do one set of curls okay, uh, that's enough for now. Here's a milkshake. We'll see you later. Go on. Uh, all right, so you, this happens week after week after week. Same thing. And you go, Thor, not, you're not doing anything to, to strengthen me. No, I, I, just, I didn't think you wanted to go through any, I didn't know you wanted to sweat and like go through pain. I, I didn't think you wanted to like be discomforted. Well, and you'd go, well, yeah, of course I do. I want to get in shape. I want to look like you. That is exactly what happens with me and my heavenly father. We have this conversation all the time. I go, God, I want to be like you. I want to be holy. I want to make the right decisions. I want to be a humble man of God. Oh, I want. And he goes, here you go. And I'm like, what? Are you joking? Are you kidding me? I want a milkshake. (laughs) My entire life. I just want a milkshake. Well, I want to read this section of scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. It's quite a bit of scripture, but man, this just sums it all up. It captures everything in this section of scripture. Hebrews 12, um, uh, cha- Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful people so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That whole section right there, you will not grow weary and and lose heart, means you're going to be going through it for a while. You see that? You got to look for these keys. This is why the Bible, you guys got to read your Bible. They're so exciting. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Meaning, when you're going through it, consider him. Consider Christ Jesus. And you go, wow, yeah, he went through this. His relationships didn't always turn out that great. He was rejected. He didn't always have a bunch of stuff. 
He would, had some, you know, would go into a place and they'd almost run him out. Sometimes he was real popular and the pastor looked great and he's healing people. And hey! Other times he'd go through the valley and everybody would split on him. Consider him, it says, um, who endured such opposition so that you won't grow weary. And it goes on. Uh, in verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. In other words, you ha- he did. Uh, like, see the difference there? God, Jesus went through it all. When the thought came, he held it captive. When the girl in the nice uh, veil, whatever, they, whatever was attractive to a guy back then in the Middle East, the, he turned away. Right? When, when it came time for him to, you know, you can get out of this if you just, you know, when, G, when Satan came. No, no, no. He did it. And then he died on a cross, sinless. So he's saying, what, what, what the writer's saying is, guys, Jesus made it. Think about that when you're going through it. Not to, diff, you know, oh, I blew it again. Just think about it. It's in, watch. Watch what happens. Uh, in your struggle, you've not resisted the point of shedding blood. And you've forgotten the word of encouragement. This is why we consider it. It's encouraging. That addresses you as sons. My son, listen to this verse. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. See, somebody's going to discipline you. It's either going to be the enemy, it's going to be yourself, it's going to be those, or it's going to be the Lord. He's going to be your trainer. Now watch. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because, listen, oh, this is so, I wish, I wish we could cross it out. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. No. No, the, in the Greek, that's got to mean something. You know, you're going, uh, and, oh, punish it to strike with a blow. Well, no, no, it must mean something else. Blow, what does that mean? Uh, okay, right? You know, it's, he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. That's an encouragement. Wait, let me go back. And you've forgotten the word of encouragement. The Lord disciplines us, those he loves, and he punishes. That's not encouraging. It is so encouraging. Because even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though it's going to happen, there's something, God comes in at that moment and begins to say, hey, here's what you're going to learn through this. Here's what you can do it. We can make it through here. My rod and my staff, I'm going to supply you with things that you can't do on your own. I'm going to inspect things about you as we're this close to make sure you're all right. We're going to have this intimate relationship to go through. That's a word of encouragement, that God disciplines us. He takes us through these things to strengthen us. He's not a personal trainer that just goes, well, I I thought you'd, you know, I just wanted you to be happy. And now watch the example that he uses after this. In verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. That's a command, period. So you're going to go through it, right? We saw back in verse 3, do not grow weary and lose heart. You're going to make, now endure it as discipline. Go to your heavenly father. What do you want me to learn through this? See, punishment is just payment for what you did bad. Discipline, if you think about like the military that are so disciplined, it's for a purpose. It's for a greater reason, okay? Endure hardship as, uh, as discipline. God is treating you as sons, <laughs> 
Now watch. He goes, for what son is not disciplined by his father? It's a rhetorical question. If you're a father and you don't discipline your son, you're a bad father. You see that? We all know that. We all know. We've seen the kids where the dad's like best friends with the kid and the kid's just a punk and you're just like, oh, just give me one hour with him. Please, just let me, we could, as a church, we could do it. Well, we'll just, here, we'll just trade off. I mean, it's just, it would be awesome. Trust me, right? Because the father's like, oh, I don't care. Those are the worst fathers. What father, what son is there that's not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and then there's a parenthetical statement there that the writer actually puts in, and everyone undergoes discipline, right? It's just, it's, it's like, that's how, that's how it's read. If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Now, he, check this out. If you're going through trials that have nothing to do, and you don't have God next to you as a f- heavenly father going, here's what we're going to do, then you're in big trouble, is what that means. Because you, you don't have the best father disciplining you. You've got something else. And we've seen bad fathers. Oh, you know, you know they discipline all right, but it's just horrible. It's not loving. It's not, it's just out of anger. It's out of all this stuff. If you make him angry, you're getting smacked. Not, not my heavenly father. He doesn't operate that way. Watch, it goes on. It explains why. Uh, then you're, okay. Moreover, in other words, I'm not finished yet, the writer says. I'm almost finished, so we're good there. We have, all, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more? I mean, if we all had human fathers, how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Why shouldn't we make the most of this opportunity and submit and just go, okay, God, I don't know why you're allowing me to go through this because he essentially is allowing you to go through it. But I want to use this opportunity to learn from you because I know you love me. And I know if I'm allowed to go through it, you're going to guide me. You're going to be with me. You're going to be near me. You're going to be checking. That's life. I mean, that's a relationship with God. I mean, this is why Jesus came. I see, when I first got saved, I did it because I didn't want any discipline. I didn't want any pain. I wanted to avoid hell. I wanted life to go better. I wanted to pray through things and get stuff and, and, and just kind of just, I wanted, I wanted to feel good. When I came to Christ, it felt awesome, and it always does. There's this new relationship with God because of what Christ did on the cross. It's awesome. And then life goes on, and as you mature, you begin to realize, ah, oh, for this I have Jesus. Okay, I get it. I'm going through the same stuff, but now I get this relationship, this deepened relationship with God. That's life. That's how you were designed to live. In verse 10, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. You want to be like Jesus? I I, I do. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require going through difficult times so that God can show me, you got to work on some of this stuff. It it requires difficult times that God says, look, this is what happens when you make these kind of decisions. And it is a punishment. 
It requires difficult times because we just live in a world of sin and that market goes up and the market crashes. And so we just have to look and go, man, regardless, it's the same. Now check out this next verse we're going to read. And this is just a phenomenal verse. And you can take this, write this one down and take it home, underline it in your Bible and, and circle it and then um, put it on your computer and your fridge. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered a little while. See, to God, even though we think it's forever, for God it, it, it is a little while. Because he sees things in eternity, right? After you have suffered a little while, the God, the God of all grace, this is his position, okay? He's the God of all grace. Who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. That's our position. Okay? He's our father. Like, basically, this is, we have this relationship. Now watch. Will himself, that shepherd, that father, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Like that personal trainer will train you. Like the good one. Not the kid who's just out of high school and they got a summer job. Like the best trainer. Like Jillian Michaels or whatever, whoever she is. Is that her name? I don't know. Okay, right? Like that, like, like, like after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who's called us to this eternal glory in Christ, will himself, that God, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's amazing. And so as we go through these trials, if we're backing up and trying to throw money at the situation and, and complaining and whining, and going, we, we miss out on an opportunity that for that very thing, you have Jesus. 